0: We need to do a better job, and and you need to help us do a better job and incentivize that. Instead of saying, I'm going to go out to Harvard and Stanford and Yale and recruit students, like, what about our Cal State system? What about our community colleges? Like, how do we grow our own here, especially for people who haven't had the opportunity to go to a fancy, expensive private university? So I think, you know, recognizing that that isn't necessary and that there are, are actually like transferable skills being taught and embedded at our local community colleges.
1: The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of
2: Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational
1: institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together, and it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Cuomo. And this is The Future of Work creating positive change, having an advocate spirit and wanting those who are underserved to have the focus they need to prosper. These are at the core of what motivates our guest, Caroline Terosis, the director of economic and business development at LA County. She took her law degree and put it to use in the local government sector because she believes this is the level where we can have the most impact on the daily lives of Los Angeles residents. If there's one thing you take away from this episode, Is that we learned this year more than ever that the power lies in partnerships
2: we're back listeners today we have with us caroline tarosis director of economic and business development for the county of los angeles welcome caroline thank you so much i appreciate the opportunity to be here thank you thank you thank you our goal really here today is to share with the audience your career journey your current role with the county and its initiatives and all the wonderful things that we keep reading about and hearing about and how we can engage. So shall we get Absolutely. started?
0: Absolutely. Yes, would love to talk about that.
2: You have a background in law. Mhm. Mm-hmm. How did that influence your personal career journey and your role at the County of Los Angeles?
0: Sure. Well, that's a really great question and and I would just say that I am a lawyer by trade. I'm a, I'm a licensed attorney with the California State Bar. And I went to law school wanting to impact change in our local communities, period. And what was the best way to do that? I'm someone who's always been very socially active, active in my community, wanting to make a positive change. and this started at a pretty young age. I remember being in sixth grade. Uh, I went into the debate team. I was the only girl and the only sixth grader. And I said, you know what? I'm going to debate all of these boys um, and I can do awesome. it. And I think uh, <laughs> since then, I've always had kind of an advocate spirit, a spirit of how do we you know, help those who have been most underserved? And so you know, when I went to law school, uh, I worked for the state attorney general here in California, as well as the U.S. attorney, who was Eric Holder at the time in in D.C. And I just said, you know, state government, federal government is great, but I really do believe that local government is kind of where the rubber meets the road and where we're actually impacting the daily lives of our 10 million citizens who live here in L.A. County. So, you know, after representing workers in cases of wage theft and practicing kind of employment litigation, uh, I quickly decided that I wanted to actually embed myself in the county to enact policy changes because, you know, it's kind of like in medicine, uh, similar in law, you can help one person with their case and impact change for that one person. And that's really, really important. Or you can go and say, look, I'm going to change policy and on a more broad scale, going to impact the lives of our current residents and into the future. So I've had the really good fortune of being in the county in a number of different roles, implementing our county's w- wage enforcement program to raise the minimum wage and enforce that minimum wage, moving on to the to work for the CEO on economic and business development, as well as affordable housing development, which is is another passion of mine, making sure that people are housed in habitable conditions that they can afford. Um, and then I had the opportunity to come here to the, the workforce department and lead economic and business development at really this transformative time where the county saying, look, how do we leverage our power market participant with our $35 billion plus budget that we we expend every single year in this county to say, like, we want Mm -hmm. to impact the lives of our residents to put put them on a pathway to a career and help people um, with social and economic mobility find a way out of poverty, um, because we have a really disproportionately high number of of people living at or below 100% of the federal poverty level here. So, Mm -hmm. It's been extremely rewarding. I have an amazing team. We are We are working on legislation, working on imp- implementing programs for our homeless and our justice involved individuals, and um, helping small businesses thrive. Uh, and then you know, COVID hit. So um, we've yep. been we've been extremely busy and I'm, I'm happy to talk more about that. But I think you know, having that spirit of, of advocacy and passion for the work that you do, uh, kind of transcends every opportunity because if you're passionate about, you know, serving the public, I think there's a lot of work to be done here.
2: That's right. And since we're on the subject, let's let's talk about the obvious, right? Let's talk about mm-hmm. being under this change of COVID and mm-hmm. uh, the pa- the pandemic, taking the programs and services that you're super proud of at the county. Which I'd love to hear what those are. And under this umbrella now of the pandemic, how has it changed? Sure. So first of all, I think everyone was in panic mode in March, and
0: now we've reached a steady state, but I'll give you an example, right? So we, we started a program with some of our county's Measure H funds, and those are the um, quarter cent sales tax that are going to serving the homeless population in the county for the next 10 years. Took some of that money and said, look, we want to take people who are experiencing homelessness and put them into high what we consider high road employment Um, So union employment with a pension, with benefits, with a career trajectory. And so just to give you one example, COVID hit and we had a really robust program with Unite Here Local 11 to get individuals into union hospitality jobs and the hospitality sector has been completely decimated. So how do we take these individuals that were helping and ensure that they're not just back at square one where they were before we gave training and supportive services and assistance um so finding other opportunities like for example we're operating both a meal delivery service for for project room key which are individuals who are living in motels who are you know vulnerable and part of the homeless population also delivering meals to our homebound seniors through the great plates delivered program so taking individuals who have been displaced and putting them right back to work in these frontline humanitarian efforts taking youth who are opportunity youth vulnerable youth and for example we have a program now with the LA clean tech incubator where we're manufacturing mm-hmm. thousands of units of PPE for our hospitals with the youth at work participants because Lacey, That's the LA awesome. Tech incubator, right, they had all the equipment to do the manufacturing um, previously right. and they're like, look, we need to pivot and manufacture face shields. So So COVID is, has impacted in, in terms of like the, the like people that we serve on a day-to-day basis, but then just on a, from a policy level, you know, we've we've put forward bills to the California state legislature. This session was absolutely crazy. Nothing really got passed. And I think we still have a long road to economic recovery. Um, So talking with our legislators about what that looks like, of course, we know that we need help from the federal government. So also advocating at a federal level uh, for increased funding for workforce training and placement opportunities. That's how we're going to get our way, build our way out of this. And then I'm super proud that our team was very creative. We interpreted the law Uh, the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act in a pretty creative way. And we were the first in California to put forward a business grant program using workforce dollars to say, look, we need to keep businesses in business because we need to keep our workers employed. That's super creative. Yeah, coming home with their paycheck. So um, we we launched an employer assistance grant fund, uh, first pot of money that was out the door to our businesses. And we're actually doing a second round of that fund uh, upcoming in the next couple of weeks with some cares act funding. So I could go on, I mean, there are many different things we've done, but I, I think all of it boil I, we've we've done more work in the past 6 months than I think some of these county departments had done in in, you know, 6 years to be totally honest with you because I think we are we are thinking much more innovatively and nimbly Uh, And I think we're realizing that we have this large bureaucracy within the county and we need to be able to serve people quickly right now because people are literally starving. And so there's food security issues, housing security issues, rent assistance, business assistance to stay in business, et cetera. And so I think we're all working together as a county family to deploy some of this federal funding, but then also come up with programming that's going to be around for the long term to help people
2: get back on their feet. And I'm super excited that you talked about the county really... Leveraging its partnerships and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that we are in this together, that this mm-hmm. is the only way to do this is for us to leverage each other's assets and resources to create larger impacts. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading the Roadmap to Recovery, one of the main strategic objectives that I saw was help build partnerships between education, labor, industry public workforce systems, et cetera, et cetera, to really identify like this, re- re- what you were talking about earlier, retraining apprenticeships and job placement opportunities to get us back on track here. And that is the meat and potatoes, if you will, of any economic and workforce development entity of a community college. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: having knowing that that's like one of the main strategies, how do you see us as a community college really helping support your effort? What might that look like and how could we, How could we better engage and embed ourselves into that roadmap?
0: Yeah, so I think, so we did engage with the consortia of community colleges, but I think that as we start to envision these new programs, we we like to do, I'm sure you're aware of what we call high road training partnerships. So partnering with employers, with industry where there's a known need, and then bringing in the community college partner to do the training to ensure that their students literally have a job waiting for them based on the, the needs of that particular industry or that particular business. So for example, we've been working very closely with Proterra, which is an electric bus manufacturer in the city of industry. And we're working with, with another community college to have individuals go through a very specialized and intensive training program. So I think, A, community colleges can help in really coordinating, uh, uh, helping us coordinate a better sector-based approach to economic recovery. You mentioned the LA County Works Initiative, so I'll just go into that for a moment. Basically, we were tasked with reaching out to the business community to figure out what it's going to take to support a return to full employment in this county um, because we know that we need to be demand-driven and the business and the industry drives demand. And so after surveying close to 2,000 businesses, we got responses from close to 2,000 businesses conducting industry engagement sessions and also engaging our Workforce Development Board. I think the number, like the five top demands from the business community were were very simple. We need help with subsidized wages and tax credits. We need help with obtaining a steady supply of PPE. We need help with childcare, and we need a better sector-based approach to to training individuals. So instead of them coming through our America's Job Centers, and, and I think this relates very well to the community colleges and having like a broad training that says like, oh, I can go do anything, I'm work ready. these industries are asking for people who are actually have a specific skill set, like wire harnessing for the electric buses, for example. Um, So I think we, it it makes us, you know, reflect on our training programs and say, like, how do we get a little bit more specific with some transferable skills for the individuals that are coming out of the workforce system, many of whom are also, uh, or then going to the community college system. So I think the community college system as a whole, A, I think very helpful for doing this one-stop approach to to sector-specific training, establishing these hubs around the county. I think we know that we've seen advanced manufacturing had the number one gain in jobs month over month from April to May, for example. We know that aerospace and defense has not slowed down whatsoever, and that there are so many jobs there. And then, of course, we know that like infrastructure, and especially the work in some of the building trades with the unions, continues to, to flourish, quite frankly, because we have um a huge regional investment in our infrastructure with you know measure m with the metro or measure w with stormwater recapture measure a with our parks improvements all of these are going to be you know union jobs specifically you know with the building trades we have road roadway repair with sb1 at the state level so i could go on That's probably boring right. your listeners but i think we have a
1: historic <laughs> a,
0: historic all. amount of investment happening in this region Um, And there there are jobs. And then finally, I'll just say, I would love the community college's help with this whole concept around equity and decreasing the digital divide. We heard loud and clear from many of our businesses that that we have a huge um, equity problem, both, you know, within the county and how we do our county contracting processes, but then also with issues such as childcare, such as access to, to broadband, internet, again, those who are historically living, you know, at or below the poverty level or even like at or below fifty thousand dollar annual income are are disproportionately affected once again. So we are are trying to embark with infrastructure LA, which is a broad coalition of individuals who are formed out of the economic recovery um, task force convenings to see how do we bring more micro trenching and broadband jobs that pay all above $20 an hour to a help build out our broadband network throughout the county but b really center it first in these historically underinvested uh, communities so that we have these lower incomes lower income communities of color able to access free internet and have children be able to go to school and parents work if they can work remotely etc
2: we're taking a really hard look at the intersection between the workforce development and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you talked a little bit about what the road to interconnection may look like. Fast forward, now that the roadmap to recovery is out, are, are, is your division thinking more about the complexities around DEI
0: in your strategy? One of the other recommendations that we have um, in the report back that we put out is for the county to leverage its position as a market participant um, with our investments and be a lot more intentional, rather than just saying like, Oh, we have a local and targeted worker hire policy. But, but what does that mean? That's just on construction projects, you know, for every good or service that we contract for, are we asking, you know, individuals that we contract with to take a couple of youth at work, which would be free to them, um, because the county pays for the wages for the youth at work participants, but take a couple of individuals to expose them to a career that they might not ever have had the opportunity to be exposed to, or, for example, looking at diversity at all levels of an organization and, and looking at the organization that we're going to contract with commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and, and awarding potentially points for that. These were not suggestions I came up with, by the way. These were suggestions from our, directly from our businesses who said, mm-hmm. look, you know, we need to do a better job and, and you need to help us do a better job and incentivize that instead of saying, I'm going to go out to Harvard and Stanford and Yale and recruit students, like, what about our uh, Cal State system? What about our community colleges? Like, how do we grow our own here, especially for people who haven't had the opportunity to go to a fancy, expensive, private university? So I think, you know, recognizing that that isn't necessary and that there are, are actually like transferable skills being taught and embedded at our local community colleges. And I would love to be able to partner more closely with you guys to show that we have a credible pipeline, especially in industries like the film and digital media industry, where we're trying to bring in more diversity. Bioscience is a huge priority for our board, showing that you don't necessarily have to have gone, you know, to all of those top 10 universities to be able to be successful. So absolutely would love to be able to partner more closely with you on building out that pipeline.
2: That's awesome. You know, we, we, we know the inequities there's inequity, means really kind of looking at the larger issue, larger issues around that we mentioned earlier, digital divide, food food insecurity, child care, all of which our students face. But I'm wondering if there's other underlining issues that we are not seeing as a system that we should be addressing in your humble opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that the workforce system is predicated on like a high volume, low contact model where there are mm-hmm. mandated performance requirements by the federal government. And that doesn't always mean that you can invest as much time as you need to, especially in the people that need the most help. So I think the the model and the way that we're incentivized to serve people might need some tweaking. I also think and we've explored this with the state workforce board, you know, we have a universal access model under under the workforce system, under at least under WIOA and the federal funding. Um, right. But now we've started to explore these sector-specific or even population-specific centers where it's not just, you know, one-size-fits-all, everyone can come here, but really we're giving specialized assistance both to workers who uh, are interested in pursuing that career pathway. So, for example, like a manufacturing center and also businesses and specifically small businesses who are looking to grow and thrive and matching those businesses directly with workers. Um And I certainly think that some of these sector-based incubators or centers, whatever you want to call them, should be housed directly at a community college. And I think that we should, you know, be taking a more intentional effort to recruit, not just come one, come all, but really going into the local community, you know, to schools or to community groups and recruiting individuals who have had barriers, Um, again, because we're here um, from an equity perspective to say, look, we need to invest in these more historically underinvested communities. So I think... Tailoring our services a little bit more uh, is something that we we need to think about in terms of addressing some of the systemic inequities, and then also, uh, you know, doing the appropriate, culturally competent, linguistically appropriate outreach to communities uh, to be a trusted partner. And I know we've done a lot of work around that. For example, uh, in East Los Angeles, with uh, Supervisor Solis's Health Innovation Community Partnership, where where she's continued to convene community groups to talk about what their needs are, and then, you know, bringing in the educational partners to help take the pipeline of community members who are affiliated with these trusted community groups and get them into quality jobs, especially if we're going to invest so much money in development in some of these areas.
2: And that makes natural sense too, right, to have some of these hubs housed under community colleges, simply the way how we're genetically built as community colleges and mm-hmm. serving those underserved mm-hmm. communities. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I really appreciate you really talking about that because at the end of the day, we are serving the audience for which the programming is being built for. The audience is, in, is right in front of us. You know, we talked a little bit about the journey. We talked about some of the initiatives and the programming. Dare I talk about remote workforce Sure. Do I dare talk about that right now? <laughs> no,
0: I mean, I think, uh, for example, all of us, are, every single person in my division is working remotely. Our director has encouraged everyone to work remotely. I know my friends who work at UCLA are working remotely until at least January. Yeah, no, we have to talk about it.
2: Yeah, but so what do you think the learning curve looks like for us, right? In this new kind of work model? And is there a future where the majority of the municipal workforce is working from home? I mean, what, what's the pulse there on uh, at the municip- uh, municipal yeah, side? Yeah, I can kind of give you some county, at least some county intel on this.
0: Well, for I mean, to answer your general question, yes, of course, I think this is completely, will forever change the way we work, just um, sure. the COVID-19 crisis and I think it's actually shown how resilient we are. I keep talking about that with my team. Yep. I think everyone was very, very anxious at the beginning. And we are resilient and we have adapted. And so we have, you know, we use Microsoft Teams in our office and we check yep. in every day. And I, I know this sounds draconian, but I tell everyone you have to turn on your camera. We're we're here to work. And if we were in the office, we'd all be talking to each other. And I think there's something to be said about interacting with, you know, facial expressions and
2: for sure seeing
0: each other face-to-face. And so I actually think that, our communication, at least for my team, has has become really, really tight because we're, we're constantly checking in over video. But mm-hmm. I would say for the municipal workforce, I mean, there are certain municipal services that cannot be delivered remotely, period. So, I mean, not everyone's going to be able to work remotely. And unfortunately, again, we're talking about an equity issue because more of the white collar workers are able to do their work uh, remotely stay safe and, you know, watch their kids if their kids have to be at home. And then in terms of like what we're moving towards at the county, I can just tell you, this is not a secret. We've actually given up several of our county leases for our leased buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of discussion around like hoteling uh, when when we eventually do have a vaccine and come back to work. I think there are opportunities okay. to, you know, be in the office some days and out some days, more flexibility. I think that promotes like a better work-life balance potentially, although very stressful for people with kids. So we have to solve the childcare issue. And, and in terms of like what the, what the future holds, I think, you know, this is a digital divide situation as well. There are people who potentially could be working remotely, but need to be brought up to speed, especially, you know, I think this could disproportionately impacting older generations who aren't used to potentially doing all of their work um over zoom or over email or you know remotely and so we have to to bring them along with us as well um, and so i see that as both a generational issue potentially and an equity issue uh, making sure that everyone's fully equipped to do their work remotely i will say that for example for all of the contact tracing jobs that we've been training people for we've taken mm-hmm. individuals who have been dislocated putting them back to work as contact tracers to trace the the virus and and who's been infected. I think you've probably heard about this position. Tell us more about it. Sure, sure. So the Department of Public Health, uh, both at the state level and, and under the leadership of Governor Newsom, but also under the leadership of Dr. Ferrer here at the county, has trained thousands of both public health individual uh, employees and and, uh, dislocated workers who are getting back to work as effectively what's called a contact tracer. And the contact tracer is responsible for checking in with anyone who's been infected, monitoring symptoms, also figuring out where that person was, who they could have interacted with, um, and then contacting those people to let them know that they might have been exposed in an effort to kind of track down the virus and make sure that there's not the massive outbreaks so that Hmm. it can be contained. And these are, you know, up and coming jobs that weren't really needed at a large scale before. And with the pandemic, there's tens of thousands of contact tracers needed. So our department actually recently took CARES money from the federal government and employed several uh, dozen dislocated workers back to work as contact tracers. And I bring that up in the context of remote work because all of the contact tracing work is done 100% remotely. And so this is an opportunity for people who might have disability or for people who might you know be immunocompromised but again like you have to be able to know how to work computer programs and 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 all of that and i can tell you for example that there's absolutely no way my grandparents would be able to do any of this and so you you know these are issues that we have to grapple with
2: it's not going away so even within the you know three to six months this is what we're dealing with and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. us as workforce development leaders What wisdom really can you share with our students and residents and any other listener, our faculty, um, our elected officials, our employers, everyone who's listening right now, if they're considering, you know, a change in their career plan or a shift in their career, like, what would you share? What would be that one kind of nugget, that one... Great piece of advice that you would give.
0: I think we're all figuring this out together. And I I can't sit here and say I'm any smarter than anyone else and that I figured it out. I think that the pandemic has kind of exposed some of the factions and potential silos amongst the partners in the workforce system. But then at the same time, it's caused us to get on calls and figure things out much more quickly. And I would just tell you that right. like collaboration and strategic partnership has been instrumental in this time. And I think we've had actually had more employers come to us to say, let's, let's all work together on a specialized training program to get some more people into my into my workforce than I have ever had before, because people are just reaching out for help during this time. And so that's been great, because it's not business as usual. But one, one piece of advice, I mean, I think, We are not going to see retail, like commercial real estate or food service bounce back for quite some time. And if someone's looking at careers, I think that we've seen much more action in in some of the STEM and STEAM jobs. And specifically, like I said, I I know I keep coming back to it, but advanced manufacturing, um, it's not your grandfather's manufacturing plant. These are, you know, very technically intense and um, potential you know, clean technology solutions as well that we've been seeing. This crisis has also kind of opened my eyes, not that I wasn't before, to saying every decision that we make from an economic perspective needs to have like climate equity and climate justice involved uh, in that decision-making process because our world is literally on fire and we are all very concerned. Uh, I can tell you as a workforce agency, and so we actually started a green apprenticeship program And trying to work more closely with the state because Governor Newsom has put forward this mandate, you know, similar to some of these proposals in the Green New Deal about how we need to increase the number of green apprenticeships that we have statewide, uh, where we are using clean green technology to construct the economy of the future, the buildings of the future, the uh, multimodal transit of the future, because that's the only way that we're going to, you know, make sure that we have something safe for our grandchildren and great-grandchildren here. We don't want to go back to business as usual. We want to go back to something that's a new
2: normal. Right. And we can't, we we literally can't go back to business as usual. And, and I really appreciated how you said, you know, our systems are, are collaborating more. We're talking Mm -hmm. more, Mm -hmm. we're forced to, and Mm -hmm. that's, it's actually a good thing in a crisis, obviously in crisis, he's. The best comes out of everyone, of every mm-hmm. individual, of every mm-hmm. organization, of every system. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are now seeing this true power partnerships.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's being amplified. I, mean, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Like these power partnerships are being amplified because we are all serving the exact same group of folks, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's and it's really awesome to watch. It's really awesome to watch all of that kind of come to fruition and bloom. Thank you so much. I mean, I've learned a lot. I know our listeners have. Um, is there any last any last minute word There are any any other you know last minute messaging that you want to share with our with our audience?
0: I take it very seriously as government to to think about the community benefits for every single decision that we make and how we're here to to leave things better than we found them. And I think that includes like you know how do we affect uh, the market to create more jobs and more opportunity but not in like a way that displaces our current culture and vibrance. And so I think, you know, as a workforce system bringing in, and we've recently started to do this, bringing in our department of regional planning to look at from a land use perspective, how are we incentivizing jobs in certain areas of the county? How are we building housing near transit? Because at the end of the day, we are one piece of this kind of economic development ecosystem, but we, I think all take this very community based approach to building healthier communities, you know, with, with everyone along for the ride. And that's where I hope to get in this new spirit of collaboration that we've ushered in. And so I'm really excited about the opportunity to be here and absolutely happy to chat with anyone offline. And of course, you know, build stronger partnerships and do it equitably and would be happy to have Pasadena on board for all of this
2: work as well. Thank you. You certainly have a partner in us and that was a very powerful message. Great. And Caroline, where could we reach you? Sure. I mean, you can call, you can email me directly
0: at C-T-O-R-O-S-I-S, Cterosis, at w d a c s so weedax w d a c s dot l a county gov. We also have a general email address if you just have inquiries. If you're curious to know about your rights as a business or your rights as a worker, we have bizdev, b i z d e v at weedax dot and then also, we I should just mention really quickly, we have the LA County Help Center. And so we've actually partnered with the Department of Consumer and Business Affairs, and we have agents who are trained standing by from both departments to answer questions from workers about unemployment insurance or new opportunities from businesses about the eviction moratorium or where they can get access to capital. Um, and then also for landlords and tenants around some of our residential eviction moratoria, as well as resources. And then of course, we have our foreclosure prevention counselors standing by. So we are, we're here, we're ready to help, Um So I just want to encourage anyone who has any questions to reach out because we want to be able to help you.
2: Thank you so, so much. And we look forward to continue the dialogue. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things future of work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.